Hey guys, I'm Valerie. And I'm Jasmine, and this is Crafts, Drafts, and Crime. So today we are going to be doing one of those short episodes that we talked about, just like we did a few weeks ago. So you're going to get your episode today on your normal day, but you're also going to get your second episode on Friday. So you will be getting two shorter episodes this week. This is the second of two times that we're doing that this season. So that way we can get our 10 episodes for this season in our eight week time frame, and you don't have to wait any longer. So today we are going to talk about the Belo murders. Now, Jasmine, have you ever heard of this? No, you said Belo, like B as in boy? Correct. And I'm saying Belo, not Bilo. It's a grocery store. And I know that a lot of people are familiar with Bilo, which is B-I-L-O. And that's very popular in the South. Belo used to be yes, a store in North Carolina. I, sorry, I was just going to tell you, like, isn't that the grocery store chain? <laughs> yes. So, but we're talking about Belo, which is no longer, it's no longer a thing. So stick with me here. I'm not talking about Bilo, but it's the same type of deal. Go with me here. We're talking about a little grocery store. We're not talking about a Walmart. We're talking about like, um, like a little almost convenience store looking grocery store. Like it's that kind of small, like a Piggly Wiggly or something like this. I'm trying to think of what you have. Gotcha. Up that. I'm trying to think of anything in like Chicagoland area that I could compare this to and nothing is coming to my Aldi. Like the size of like an Aldi. So anyways, that's the kind of grocery store that we're going into. So sources for today are ncsbi.gov, AP News, Closing Time by Jeb Bond, Roanoke Chowan News Herald, and Greensboro.com. So, again, going to a grocery store, we are going to be in Windsor, North Carolina. Now, Windsor is a small town of just over 2,000 people, and it's a farming area. Like, it's a small town, and it's in the northeastern part of the state in Bertie County. So, it's near where, like, Edenton is. For anybody who's familiar with North Carolina, if you're looking at North Carolina on the map, top right-hand area in that general vicinity. So on Saturday, June 6th of 1993, at 6 p.m., Belo grocery store manager, who was 47-year-old Grover Lee Cecil Jr., and cashier, 36-year-old Joyce Coburn Reason, began closing the store. The cleaning crew, which consisted of 48-year-old Johnny Rankins, 48-year-old Thomas Hardy, 50-year-old Jasper Hardy Jr., and 40-year-old Sylvester Welch Jr. were already gathering their supplies to begin their work. Now, I'm going to refer to everybody by their last names here, except for Thomas and Jasper, because they're brothers and they have the same last name. So I'm not going to call them both Hardy. Um, so at 6.15 p.m., remember the store closed at 6, a man appeared from a hiding place that he had taken before the store had closed. So they already closed the front doors, and he's lurking in the store somewhere during this period of time. Now, he approaches Cecil and Reason, who remember are the manager and the worker. And he forces them into the office so that they can open up the safe. And they cl he collects $3,000 worth of cash and money orders. Using his forty-five caliber pistol to guide them to the back of the store, he instructed Cecil to gather the cleaning crew in the back room. Once everybody was in the back room, the man instructed Cecil to bind everyone's hands together with duct tape. So he did, and he had them bind their hands together behind their backs and then their feet together also. When he finished binding everybody up, 
the man bound Cecil's hands in the exact same way. As he's doing this, the man is saying, I don't want to have to kill anybody. Which, okay, then don't. Right? Right. I hate whenever they say that because, like, you don't want to have to kill anybody. So basically you're saying you are. Like, you, like you're threatening to kill somebody at this point. So, like, you right. came in with that preconceived notion that you are going to kill somebody. I don't care what you say. Right. Like, and they're you have to say it, that means you're going to do it. Like, that's right. what you want to do. That's how I feel, too. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to have to kill anybody? Everybody's cooperating. You're tying everybody up. There's no need to kill anybody. We can establish that. So the man stated that he was a former police officer who had been fired and he had nothing to lose. Also terrifying. He stacked the employees, one on top of another in three piles. So there's one person with another person on top in three rows. I have never... In any of the things that I have read or have heard, heard of somebody putting their victims in stacks. Yeah, never. So on top were Reason, Cecil, and Rankins. And the man said, quote, I hope that God forgives me for what I'm about to do. He shoots Cecil and Reason each in the back of the head with one shot. He then shoots Rankins in the back. Now, it's unclear whether or not the man used all of his ammunition or if his gun has jammed, but those are the only three shots that come from the gun. So, he decides to unstack the bodies to be able to assess the damage that he has done. So, he takes the victims off the top, puts them next to the person who's already on the floor, and now he has all six of them out side by side so that he can assess who has been hurt. So Welch, who was below Rankin's, who's the one who got shot in the back, had been injured, along with all three of the people on top. But both Thomas and Jasper, who were below Cecil and Reason, who he shot both of them in the head, were completely unharmed. So the man walks off for a minute, he goes to the deli area of the store where the meat's cut and he returns to the back room with a like some kind of butcher knife. Looking at Thomas, the man asks if he will identify him to the police. Thomas says, no, absolutely not. But the man said back to him, quote, I don't believe you. And he takes the knife and he slashes Thomas's throat and stabs him in the back so hard that the knife actually breaks off from the handle. Jesus. And it's like, he's doing this on purpose. He's, he's like playing with them at this point with his questions. Right. So he then turns to Jasper, who at this point in time is the only person who's not injured. And he asks him the same question. And Jasper says, when he asks him, you know, are you going to identify me to the police? Jasper said, quote, no, man, I don't know you. So the man paused a minute and he said to Jasper, okay, big man, I'll let you live. What the fuck? So the man picks up the stolen money, his gun, the handle of the knife, because remember the rest of the knife is inside of the other victim. And he takes Cecil's store keys and he walks out the front door of the grocery store. Now, Welch is the first of the men to break his hands free because the duct tape was loosened from all the blood 
that he has dripping down him. Remember, he was the one who was beneath Rankins who was shot in the back. So he's injured, but at this point in time, nobody knows how bad. But he was able to loosen the duct tape off of himself. So he drags himself across the floor to get to the front counter. Remember, they're in the back room, and I don't know exactly the distance, but he drags himself to the phone at the front counter so that he can call police. So when police arrive... That's amazing. It is amazing. When police arrive, it was right about 7 p.m. So just as a reminder, when this man approached the victims, it was about 6.15. Well, the front door of the store is still locked. Now, for anybody who's never had to lock the kind of doors that they have in a place like this, and I did verify this, the man, after he left, locked the doors behind him. How sick Mm. is that? So, like, it would be harder for anybody to be able to gain entry. Right. So, the door's locked, so the police call the store, but there's no answer. So, they have to actually break into the store. Because Welch can't, he has no way of getting to the front door. Like, he barely could get to the counter. So, they very easily locate him, because he's in the very front part of the store. And they follow his trail of blood to the back room, and they find the five remaining victims. Now, Cecil, Rankins, and Reason, who remember were the three victims who were on top, were all pronounced dead at the scene. Thomas and Welch are both transferred to the hospital, and Jasper is untied while there. Now, Jasper, unharmed, obviously survives the incident. Well, Thomas and Welch actually both also survived their injuries. Now, witness statements report having seen a white car with Maryland license plates speeding out of Windsor on the highway headed north with two men inside. So per NCSBI, the description of the perpetrator is a black male with medium complexion who's 30 to 35 years of age with a slender, solid build, a military style haircut, light brown slanted eyes and a narrow nose bridge possibly from a sports injury i will actually post a picture of the composite sketch so that everybody can take a look at it and i also just in case would like to give you the tip line at this period in time the tip line for this is 252-794-3111 because there is a thirty thousand dollar reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of this man now There are several things I want to talk about in this because that's all the information on the case. Nobody ever has been even a person of interest in this case. And it's such a bizarre, random, like it's no way a robbery gone wrong. He got the money and then he went and did this to the victims. Like to me, there's absolutely no reason why this had to happen. Right. Like he he went in there on a mission. He succeeded, but he also like toyed with people and their emotions or the victims. And this the fact that this is just like a you said it's like a one time thing, like it never happened again. I mean, maybe. If so, it hasn't been linked to this crime. But it's it's just great because it's not like he killed them to you know, so that nobody could identify him. He knew that he was leaving one person completely unharmed. And honestly, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm just grateful that 
you know, three out of the six people were able to survive instead of just one. Can you imagine what that would have looked like if only one victim was living? Right. It would have looked like a setup, in my opinion. Definitely, because it's just, like, really weird. Like It is weird. From the beginning to the end, like, he did, he did nothing the way you, like... I guess everybody, like, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, like, the way I think of, like, something like this, like, a robbery going down, it's just, like, what I see in movies and stuff, and, like, you know, obviously, like, cases and stuff, like, you go in, you hold people at gunpoint, like, you may kill them, you may not, but, like, never, like, stack their bodies up on top of each other, like, while they're alive, and, like, okay, are you gonna, are you gonna identify me? No, okay, I don't believe you. You're dead. The other person, are you? No, okay, you get to stay alive. Like, it's like he was playing God. Exactly. That's why it's so annoying. It's so annoying. And so when police were speculating about this crime after it happened and trying to think about what could have possibly happened, that's where that thing about the ammunition came up, where I said earlier, you know, not sure if he was trying to conserve bullets or if he ran out of bullets or um, if his gun jammed, but they're like, okay, it's weird that he only used his gun for three shots, which I agree. That's very weird. I want to play devil's advocate on this thought, though, because they're thinking that he either ran out of ammunition or he was trying to save bullets. Okay. So I completely see why somebody would think that. But my question is, why shoot the first two people in the head and then the third one in the back? Because at that point in time, he did not know whether or not those shots were going through to the people on the bottom of the stack. I So I feel like he was experimenting in a way. Like, as morbid and disgusting as that sounds, the way he was playing with their emotions and everything, like, I feel like he was like, I wonder what it's like to shoot this person in the head. Okay. And he did it, and then he did it again, and then he was like, wait, but then I can do this, too. Like, I'm in control. I want to see what this feels like. But then again, like, as I say this, I'm in my head, I'm like, but why didn't he do something like that to everybody? Right. Why leave victims unharmed? And if, I don't know, I just, I don't see, he knew, he obviously had been in the store for a little bit because he knew that there were four cleaning workers in the store because he made Cecil Mm -hmm. grab them all to bring them to the back room. So my question for that is like, if you only had three bullets, like if he ran out of ammunition, then like, like stacking them like that would make sense. Like if you're like, okay, I'm going to kill them all, but I only have three bullets. I got to stack them like this. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But, like, you would have thought that he would make sure that it actually worked. And, like, when your gun's out of bullets, you can't not know. Like, the top slides open. Like, you can't not know. And if you jam your gun, you can... He had all the time in the world, as far as he knew. Like, he could have fixed that, you know, he could have fixed the jam and then been able to proceed. Everybody was tied up. Nobody knew anything was going on. But he didn't seem like he was in a rush of any sort. But here's the thing is the survivors don't know if the gun was jammed or if the gun was out of ammunition. Nobody said anything about hearing the gun slide open. It's loud. That's true. That's true. But, you know, of course, when you think your life is going to end, you're probably not paying attention to every little thing like that. So at the same time, I don't know. But I just think the whole thing is a little bit weird. Like, why do it like that? And then why unstack them? Be like, okay, well, Happy didn't die. Now I know. Hmm, how about I go get a knife? What? 
Because he was, he obviously wasn't planning on that. Because he didn't bring a knife and he didn't go in the room with a knife. He left to go get a knife and came back. I don't know. Like, I, I hate that. Like you said, it is annoying. Like, it's. It, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, this case is really, really annoying. And I, I just, there's no explanation for it. And nobody, and here's the thing too, if he really was that person who was in that vehicle that somebody saw going north, because it was really close to a highway. So they're like, okay, if he's going north and he has Maryland plates, I mean, mm. <laughs> what are the odds of ever catching him? Right. Exactly. He has no connection to this place. And we're in a small town in North Carolina. And there are three surviving witnesses. I think that is crazy. Like, I just, I don't understand. Why kill some and not all of them? Like, like you said, like, I mean, it makes sense what you're saying. Like, maybe he didn't have, like, enough bullets. Like, that makes sense. But it's just, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) I know I keep saying I don't know, but I don't know. I imagine that's what everybody is doing right now who is listening. Like, (laughs) what the fuck? Because seriously, if you knew you were taking six victims and then you unstack them and stuff, like, he, he even made it easier for them to get help. Right. Like, why? Why? And then why believe the one guy? Why leave one completely unharmed? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why he left somebody unharmed. I'm grateful that he did, but I don't understand it. And I also want to know why he stacked them the way that he did. I wonder if he picked them on purpose. You know what I mean? Like the way that he stacked them in there. Nobody showed any signs of recognizing them. Because remember, there are witnesses. So they, you know, their firsthand account, they're like, nobody seemed to know who the hell he was. Nobody acted as if they knew who he was. So this is a random, it seems like a completely random crime. And this was in 1993. So it's been almost 30 years and never once has there even been a person of interest in this case. It's an absolute mindfuck. So the fact that it was just like random is the, is the mindfuck part. And it's awful. It's so awful. He had all the money. You tied him up. Just go. Nobody right. knows you. Just go. Exactly. If you're going to leave one witness, why not leave all six? Okay. So we would love to hear your guys' theories on this because we don't know what the hell happened here. The police don't know what the hell happened here. If you know something, please call that tip line. But... We would love to hear what you guys think because I can think of a thousand different things and none of them make any sense. It all boils down to it not making any sense. If you want to see that yeah, composite, I know. I, I feel like everybody else will have like better, better um, thoughts than what I did because I, I can't think of anything. Like <laughs> your idea of. Of it possibly being a setup, like that could make sense. Like I could see that, but like, I just I don't know. I don't know either. There's so many options. I, it's just it's not a robbery gone wrong. That's all I know. Mm-mm. And I wonder too if robbery wasn't the main motivation. 
like it could be that he was after he was sent to be after one specific person or he was after one specific person that he didn't actually know for some who knows why reason or just wanted to commit a crime like this and was like oh well i'm here i'll take the three thousand dollars you guys have right who knows but either way if you want to see that composite sketch you can find it on our instagram with other pictures from the episode and that is at Crash drafts and crime. You can follow us on Facebook so you get those updates about when our new episodes come out, and that is at Crash drafts and crime. You can follow us on Twitter at Crafts and crime. You can follow our Patreon at Crafts drafts and crime. And you can write us an email with your thoughts on this. You can also post that on any of our social media. We would love to hear it, or with any of your stories. And you can email us at crime at gmail.com and thank you for listening we hope that you keep listening remember you have a second short episode coming out this week so don't forget about that and if you listen on the apple please rate and review us but thanks for listening as always until next time bye bye